Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. We are uh, in a series that I'm just calling it The Witness Within. <clears throat> and, it, you know, it's, it's interesting because we are talking about... Here, here's, the, here's the big idea of this series. The Spirit of the living God is in you. Amen? If you said yes to Jesus, you're a believer, you're born again, the fulfillment of the prophecies of Ezekiel and lots of Old Testament and the, the Spirit pouring out and the end times and last days and and you and God making you his home and the fulfillment of Jesus saying you believe in me my I and my father will make our home in you if you have said yes to Jesus you are the temple of the living God no longer is the presence of God in the earth behind a curtain resting on the ark of the covenant the spirit of the living God is in you and we've been talking about this idea, but just to kind of frame it a little bit, the spirit, the power, that the, the ultimate power, the almighty God, the one who created everything, the one who there is none higher, and his power, not just him, but his capacity, his power, his knowledge, his wisdom, his kindness, his love, his attributes, everything about him, he's joined himself to you, you know, and and. Really, to best understand the kind of relationship that we have with God, it's, it's more like a marriage than anything, in that God has betrothed Himself to us. Physical marriage between a man and a woman is a reflection of the type of union that we have with our Father, and it is framed, you know, there's a prof, beautiful prophecy in Isaiah 54 where God is speaking to Israel, but then, we, but then it's expanded and realized that true Israel, the true people are God, are those who have received Jesus by grace through faith. It's not an ethnic people group, not to dismiss whatever God still has for those people, but, but spiritually we are Israel, amen? We are the people of God because we have said yes to Jesus, and He's joined Himself. But, but we think about that. We are as one with God as Jesus is. It's, it, it's an incredible doctrine. And I think if we like could actually experience the power of that truth, man, we're walking on water. We're multiplying food. We're walking around seeing miracles. Amen. Like that early church. And the church ever since then, you know, walking around representing Jesus, showing the world who God is. Uh, and so that's what we believe for, you know. We don't believe that we need something else from God to be able to walk in that power. We just need to renew our minds and yield to that power that's on the inside of us. So we talk, you know, I, I, like I, I'm talking about the baptism of the Spirit, but I'm not really teaching the baptism of the Spirit. Like there's kind of the doctrinal points to make if you were to scripturally get down and kind of teach the subject. I'm not really trying to do that. What I'm trying to do is get us to practically live under the influence of the Spirit so that there's power in our lives to experience the fruits of the Spirit and to walk in the gifts of the Spirit. Amen? And to be witnesses for God in this earth. I mean, that, that is our role, to let God continually transform us inwardly. He's already made us perfect in our spirit. We want to renew our minds to let it affect everything else, but then to be witnesses of Him. And you're a witness of Him. The way that you are a witness of Him is through the power of the Spirit in you. It's not your strength. It's not your understanding. And, and specifically, the way that you witness of God in the earth is you let the Spirit transform you so that you walk in the fruits of the Spirit and you display the fruits of the Spirit. People see that, and then you walk in the gifts of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit. So, you know, I was trying to de determine if I wanted to address some of the details because people get upset when you touch specific doctrines that in their mind they see it A, B, C, D, E, F, G. 
and you're like, you, it's not really alphabetical, it's spiritual, we would probably come to the same conclusions. I think I'm just, uh, let me, let me, because there's so much to say about it. Let me just quickly say, yes, we need to experience the baptism of the Spirit. Amen. But to say exactly what that is or how it happens every time, you know, it's interesting because you've got a, in, in uh, Luke chapter one, you've got Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, and then Zechariah later on in Luke chapter one. It says of Elizabeth that she was filled with the Spirit and spoke and said certain things, right? Prophesied, essentially. Well, she wasn't born again, but she was filled with the Spirit. And, and why am I saying this? Let me, let me say this. Why I'm saying this is because I don't want you in a position where you're trying to get something from God that you already have. I don't want you confused by a doctrine that may not be as linear as some people present it. I don't want a doctrine and a particular type of understanding by some people that seem super competent to confuse you or leave you in a state thinking, I need something else from God. What you need is to yield to the power that is within. Amen? Quite simply. So let me, let me, let me read this. this. This is really kind of what we frame the whole thing around. This is Romans 8 9. It says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. My argument is you aren't born again and then need to get something else from God and call that the Spirit or the baptism with the Spirit or this. But see, even saying that instantly, some people are like, whoa, 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 now wait a minute. So here's my point. You either have the Spirit or you don't. Amen? Now, that's where we start from. And then we go from there. Because we see non-born-again people filled with the Spirit. So what does filled with the Spirit mean? It doesn't mean the Spirit's on the inside. It means that you are clothed with under the influence of. And it's interesting because you see in Acts 10, uh, Peter's preaching. He's preaching to Gentiles who are not born again. And it says, the Spirit of God fell upon them, same phrase that it used of the, in Pentecost in the upper room. The Spirit of God fell upon them, and, and Peter was like, oh my goodness, it's for the Gentiles too? We better get them baptized in the name of Jesus. And so it's like, some people say, well, you can have baptism in the name of Jesus, but the Spirit hasn't fallen upon them. But then, then the Spirit fell, and then he got them baptized in the name of Jesus. So it's like, I, I get that some people see it as a very specific linear thing. You get saved, but you need the baptism of the Spirit, and that might come later. It's like, you know what? You're confusing people. I'm not trying to split those hairs. What I'm trying to do is help you understand if you said yes to Jesus just like this here, you have the Spirit. Amen? Say, I have the Spirit of God living in me. Amen? Now, let me say this. You do need to clothe yourself with that Spirit on the inside of you. Now, if you call that the baptism of the Spirit, you know, biblically it's called being filled with the Spirit or under the influence of, but the word filled can be confusing because it sounds like you're getting something put in you that you didn't previously have. Am I, is it getting clear or am I getting more confusing? Yeah, so the point is you've got the Spirit of God on the inside of you, but it's interesting because to be filled with the Spirit is to be set upon by the Spirit or to be clothed in the Spirit or that power to sit, you know, rest upon you, to be endued. So in other words, to be filled with the Spirit, because we read last week in Acts 4.8, I didn't mean to go into all this, but I feel like it's appropriate. Acts 4.8, you know, days, weeks after Pentecost, Acts 4.8 says, Peter, filled with the Spirit, he kind of rebuked the leaders of the church and then preached the gospel. So did he get the Spirit then? We don't, we know that. And in other times, Jesus breathed the Spirit on people. So I'm not saying it happens in a bunch of different ways. I'm just saying I think those early guys were using a lot of different language to kind of talk about one central idea, and the central idea is the promise of God 
is His Spirit given to you. That's what we want. The promise, I don't, they weren't even necessarily preaching a strong salvation message as much as they were preaching the resurrection and that you receive the promised gift of God that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, salvation is addressed in all of that. But, but man, I'm just telling you, the, the big point that I want to leave you with in that before I move on and read, we're going to read half the book of Romans today, just so you know, just so buckle up. We're not doing a picnic, so I'm just going to keep you longer, and we're going to read. Uh, no, but because what I want to what I wanted to leave you with today and accomplish is there's there's a, at least two things. One is you have the Spirit, Amen. We want to look at how you practically live under the influence of the Spirit, and we're talking about changed desires. That's how we're going to end today. But in the middle, I just want to look at the gospel. Man, I, I was preparing for this message. And I'm trying to sort through certain things to share and not share. And then I just really feel super clear from the Spirit to read a very large section of Romans 1, 2, and 3. And it's going to be good. Amen? Amen. So you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you. However, you need to yield to the influence of His power for fruit, to be a witness, to walk in the gifts, and to experience transformation. Because that's what we're wanting to experience, right? We want to be free from anxiety. We want to be free from fear. We want to be free from sickness and, and confusion. We want to be free from the same stuff the world deals with. And, I, and if you're struggling with some of those things that I named, don't, I'm, there's not something wrong with you. I'm not trying to you know, say that y- you aren't. You, you get my point. I don't want to belabor that. So let's read a few of these. <clears throat> This, this whole series has kind of been based around this idea here, and that is Romans 8, 15 through 17. So this kind of sets, we've, we've read this each week, and this kind of sets everything. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. Now, so you read things like this, and it's like we pick out certain things that we should receive. I wonder why people don't say, have you received the anointing of the spirit of adoption? Have you been baptized with the spirit of adoption? You know what I mean? It's like these things that we pick out that we got to say certain ways. It's like, well, what about this? Amen? I'm, I guess I'm just thinking through these kinds of things because I'm, I'm trying to make it where we're not chasing for stuff that we already have. So you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. This is, this is, this is what all of this is based around. The Spirit Himself, say Himself. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, if you are ever confused about any area of your Christian life, I would say start here. Forget about trying to ask God for information. God, what am I supposed to do here? Forget about... First and foremost, asking God for provision or asking God for something or asking Him to meet a need or anything. And, I, and I'm not trying to say this is the only way to do it. I'm just saying, remind yourself of this reality. Put yourself in a position where before you start asking God for stuff or you start trying to get your questions answered or any of that kind of stuff, you start trying to get God involved in your life, put yourself in this mindset and allow God to remind you in that moment and whatever that need might be, that you're his child. Put yourself in a position, because you're praying, God, what do I need to do? God, would you help meet this need? You know, whatever the, whatever the external is, or the, or the thought, or the manifestation, or the direction, or whatever it might be, pursue those things from a state of sonship. Amen? And I would say, put yourself in a position where you're bearing your heart to God, where you first and foremost hear Him speak to you in terms of your Father in that specific area. Because the reality is, if you're a child of God, if He's given you the spirit of adoption, God's adopted you into His family, uh, then you're an heir. And not just an heir, but you're an heir of God. What'd you inherit? You didn't just inherit a little bit. You got the Spirit. You got the promise of the Spirit. Everything God has to give you, is wrapped up in His Spirit, and He put it in you when you said yes to Jesus. Amen? Took that old stony heart out, 
took that root of sin out, put his spirit on the inside of you, regenerated your spirit. So you're an heir, but not just an heir of some things, you know, like like when 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 an inheritance uh, is uh, probated, you know, in that inheritance, you get this, you get this, you get this, you get this. But with God, you all get it all. Amen? You're an heir of God. That's what you've inherited. And we're joint heirs with Christ. So you're, you're an heir, you're an heir of God, and you're a joint heir with Jesus, which means you've been elevated to the same place. He's raised you and seated you in heavenly places. You are forever hidden with Christ in God. Amen? And that's a position of authority. And I'm not just talking about stuff. I'm not just talking about provision and healing and getting your needs met. We're, just, we're talking about the kind of being that you are, who you are in Him. So if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together with Him. And of course, we know to suffer with Him is to suffer for His name's sake. In other words, uh, suffering that you might experience for preaching the gospel or for saying yes to a calling that he calls you into a region that maybe there's adversity or hardship as you're walking out that calling. But other places he says, don't suffer because of sin. Don't suffer because of the things in the world. So there's some suffering you embrace. Uh, In other words, if you're experiencing persecution for preaching the gospel, that just comes with the territory. But if it's sickness or confusion or anxiety or job loss, that stuff's to be resisted. That kind of suffering you don't embrace. There's freedom from that. There's promise and provision to be set free from that stuff. Amen? So it's two kinds of suffering. Um, one for His name's sake and one for because the world's messed up. It's not all the same. It gets blanketed. And Christians, unfortunately, think that we're supposed to embrace all kinds of suffering. That's not true. Some you should resist. So... This is a big prophecy here that we look at, and to me this is another thing that makes it all make sense, is this is Ezekiel 36, 25. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. Say, I am clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I'll give you a new heart, put a new spirit within you. I'll take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. It's natural for you to obey God now. And you will keep my judgments uh, and do them. And then, of course, all of that to say brings you to this state. This is true of you. And and isn't this freeing? Because in some kind of hyper-charismatic circles, you hear people say, "Well, well, I was in the spirit. Went into the spirit. You guys remember? Did you guys watch Young Guns? Anybody remember that movie, Young Guns? There's a scene in Young Guns, and uh, they got to. They have to go. It's it's a it's a the Wild West, and there are these cowboys, and they're on the run, and they got to go through Native American land. But to go through Native American land, they got to take peyote, which is a psychedelic cactus, to go through this area. And there's a guy riding on the back of the horse. He's like, hey. You know, he's in the spirit world. <laughs> Charismatics are kind of like that. We think we got to do something to get into the spirit. You know, it's like, well, here's how you know you're in the spirit. The spirit's in you. Say, like, I'm in the spirit. Always, all the time. Now, you might have experiences where that veil seems to be a little thin or maybe you have a vision and you're more sensitive to the Spirit, or it's, it's more tangible in whatever moment, but you're just as much in it now as you are in those moments. In fact, you're just as much in the Spirit now as you will be when you're in eternity with God in heaven because the Spirit's in you. It's one and the same. You don't have to get some, have some weird experience to get in the Spirit. The Spirit's in you. But, you know, weird experiences can be fun and cool sometimes. I mean, you know. Just don't take peyote to get there. It, yes, I'm going to preach on peyote for just a moment. Because, believe it or not, there is a huge resurgence of psychedelics uh, promoted by some wildly popular people. And yes, the way psychedelics affect your physiology 
seem to do something to your physiology that makes you more sensitive or receptive to the spiritual dimension. But the problem is it's, it's fabricated. It's, 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 a, it's, an, it's an inauthentic sensitivity that if you haven't developed the maturity for your heart to engage in that way, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a physical manipulation of your body to develop the sensitivity, then it's a physical thing, and there's a lot of room for deception there. Are you with me? I, I, I'll say psychedelics will help you experience the spiritual dimension, but, but, it's, but it's, it's a false door to go through to get there. It comes with, um, well, you get the point. I won't talk about acid anymore today. We'll keep going. I'm just saying watch out, be careful, because it's out there. Okay, here we go. This is, now, now I'm going to read a ton here. We're going to read a big section of Romans 1, 2, a little bit of 3. So stick with me. I, 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 just, I just wanted to get the gospel into this message. A part of it is dealing with some of the cultural things that we're seeing in our society today, uh, specifically in this one area that talks about how God gives people over to, over to their desires. And I'm telling you the end from the beginning because how I want to end up is talking about how we give ourselves over to God. How we give ourselves over to God so that our desires are changed by the power of His Spirit on the inside of us, and we live. We 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 no longer fall temptation, fall under the power of uh, temptation, and are lured to particular types of sins in our lives, or bad attitudes, or or kind of deceptive, manipulative methods of how we kind of manipulate people around us. God's always trying to work on the inside of us to transform us. And the way that that transformation happens is you got to yield to it. you got to give yourself over to it. God's not just going to zap you and make you change. He changes you, you in spirit when you get born again, but then you have to yield to the influence of that spirit. And this is what I'm talking about, the practical aspect of living under the influence of being filled with the Spirit. Living under the influence of and being filled with the Spirit is the same thing. So we can split hairs over the doctrine of the baptism of the Spirit to try to figure out how exactly to say it, but here's where the rubber meets the road. You need to change. Say, I need to change. And it's under the power of the Spirit that develops lasting change. And so... We're going to hit the gospel, address some cultural stuff, and, and, then, and then walk out of here taking the responsibility upon ourselves to yield to His Spirit to experience transformation and change. And you can. I love that testimony. You would think we planned that. I, I hadn't heard that one yet, the testimony that was shown during the announcements. But, but uh, was that a guy? Did it say the name? Was that a guy? Or, it didn't matter. But anyway, the person was at work having a hard time. Remembered that grace is available, accessed the grace, recaptured joy, changed her life. That, that's real. That's real, right? When you've messed up, you've made mistakes, you, 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 you are seeking to grow in an area, uh, you need wisdom, you need knowledge, you need healing, you're fighting with your spouse and you need to swallow your pride and apologize and be more kind or whatever it might, whatever the real world practicality might be, you need to be filled with the Spirit in that moment. You need to come under the influence of the Spirit, which means you got to give yourself over to it. Now, here, here's the thing about Scripture. Here's the thing about living life under the influence of the Spirit is you have to be willing to change, right? You have to actually go... When you open your heart to God and you're praying about a particular area... What you really need is not so much an answer. You need to allow Him to shape you into that aspect of Christ that can walk in the thing that you think you need Him to give you. Does that make sense? So in other words, because the reality is He's already given it to you. You're not going to convince God to give you something because He's already given you everything. What needs to happen is a change on the inside so that we walk in it in a way that it's already provided. It's like Paul. Paul said, you know, he's got this, uh, this uh, lying spirit 
He's got this thorn in the flesh and, God, and asked God to take it away. And God says, three times, my grace is sufficient for you. And that's not a no, that's a solution. And the solution being, my grace, my power on the inside of you is what you need to walk through this situation. Because my grace will teach you holiness. It'll teach you godliness. It'll teach you to say no to sin. It'll teach you these things, right? So I'm saying a lot, but I'm really only saying one thing, and that is we have to live with the responsibility to give ourselves over to God to change, to actually actually say, I, I'm willing to change here. Not just if I get the right kind of information, then I'll know or not just I want to do it this way, but no, I need to actually be a different person in this scenario. And I have to give myself over to that. And it's scary and it's foreign because you're becoming somebody that you don't know who that person is or how to be that person. It's true of who you are in spirit, but then you become that. But the reality is you already are, but it manifests. So here we go. I'm going to read a ton. I'm probably just going to do it here because I may stop or stop, stop or start or stop or stop or stop. So we're starting in Romans 1, 16. Uh, if you want to follow along <clears throat> or you can just watch the screens. So I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, in what? The gospel, which is the power. Um, sorry. For in it, the righteousness of God... I'll, I'll do it, Philip. I think you got ahead of me. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed in what? The gospel from faith to faith, as it's written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So then he's going to talk about these ungodly and unrighteous men who suppress the truth. It's interesting if you study this out. It, first and foremost, where they're suppressing the truth is in their own minds and hearts. It, it's not where they're really trying to exercise control over people, but you'll see what he says here that the process is this. The way that they've suppressed the truth is they've given themselves over to these ungodly desires and ungodly wickedness that then has a change on the inside of them, which then they continue to propagate the suppression of the truth externally. We, and we have the capacity to do this. We better watch out because we have the capacity to suppress the truth in our own minds and hearts. You can be a blood-bought, sanctified, holy, spirit-filled believer believing a lie, therefore suppressing the truth that could set you free. This is what I'm talking about today. We're talking about willingly giving yourself over to the Spirit so that your desires changed in that area and you actually begin to see, I'm a different person. This is not, and not just because, well, I'm, I'm, I don't want this and so I want to be here. Of course, I want that. But like the areas that do touch your identity. Watch where we're going. Watch where we're going. And it's, it's so challenging. But man, I'm telling you, this verse is so relevant for where we are today. And remember last week we talked about dealing with people, you know, all the stuff that's going on this month and Pride Month and all the transgender stuff and the debate over the surgeries for kids and surgeries in general and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, it's so hard to have those conversations because there's such an identity assumed with the people that are pushing that mindset and agenda, having suppressed the truth in their own minds and hearts. And how do we address that conversation? Well, you got to be led by the Spirit. Lead with love and Lead with and let the Spirit lead you in that situation of how to have that conversation. Each conversation is going to be different. There's no one particular answer, and you're not going to argue. That that person's not going to go, you know what? I'm wrong. You're right. Look, here we go. I mean, does it ever work that way? All right, so Romans 119, because... What may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that 
So they are without excuse. Everybody knows. There's no excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful. So this part here, they did not glorify Him as God. That's why Jesus couldn't heal people in His own hometown, because they didn't recognize Him for who He was. It wasn't that He would not. It was that He could not because of this, this right here. They didn't, they, although they knew, they didn't glorify Him. Nor were thankful but became filled or futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things, talking about idols. So in other words, you're not God, this is God. I'm going to make my own God. Therefore, and this is, this is, this is key for what we're talking about today, this one verse, right? There's two keys. You have the Spirit, and then the other one is, what, how, what are you going to yield to? Are you going to yield to your own understanding, your desires, or, or are you going to yield into that kind of scary unknown area of the Spirit in you to make a change, which means you've got to be willing to make different decisions than you're currently making? You might have to admit that you're wrong. In fact, you're going to have to admit that you're wrong in some areas of how you're trying to follow God, right? Is this making sense? Are you with me? I know it's a lot, but... So, so God gave them up to, the, to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Now, this is culturally incredibly relevant, but this is also the same thing that we're in. We're in a position, even though we're born again, we can give ourselves over to desires that lead to sin and death, or we can give ourselves over to experience being filled with the Spirit unto transformation. You have a moment-by-moment opportunity to choose which way you're going to lean. But just know that if you lean toward trusting God, it comes with being willing to come out the other side doing something different. I don't, I don't know if that's hitting you. I don't know if I'm saying it the way that I'm feeling it. But you, you have to be willing to, make a, to do it differently. Not holding on to what you've convinced yourself of. So, so, he, so he's continuing to talk about this. Who, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason... God gave them up to vile passions. We still have vile passions, even though you've been changed in your spirit. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving natural use of the woman, burned in lust for one another. What are we talking about there? It's pretty clear. Men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, isn't that, that's just, they didn't like to retain God in their knowledge. That's really what we're dealing with. So, so you bring up God, you're, you're cut off. So we got to be spirit-led. Uh, did not retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. So it's like, God, that's what you want. Go that way. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil, uh, mindedness. Oh, sorry, evil-mindedness. They are uh, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, Inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve those who practice them. So not only are they doing it, but they approve of those who are doing it and force you to accept what they know is wrong. Because from the beginning of time, God has revealed Himself. Now, this might seem like an anti-gay Pride Month message, although that is an issue that's addressed in this specific area. That's, that's not just the broad point I'm making. The point I'm making is 
we're in the same boat where we can deceive, we can suppress the truth from ourselves by not being willing to repent. In other words, turn away from our way and do it God's way. I'm just going to keep saying that over and over. If you really want to follow God, you have to be willing to do it differently. You have to be willing to make a change. You have to be willing. Here's the big one. You have to be willing to choose God's power even in the midst of desiring this sinful action and being willing to give that thing up, even though the comfort and safety that it might be giving you. And so then now we see... uh, the identity assumed in this inner suppression of truth, well, no, this is who I am. This is me. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do physical things because this is who I really feel like I am. And, of course, then we know we see people have these surgeries and the suicide rate is still as high, maybe even worse. Of course, that group mindset blames society for the suicide rate. And it's like, no, no then where are all the suicides up to now, if there's more now? So let's keep going. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man. Whoever you are, judge, friend, whatever. This is going into Romans 2. And I'm telling you, we're reading a lot, trying to go slow. Not really. You judge another, you condemn yourself, or you who judge practice the same things. So in other words, quit judging other people. Uh, But we know that the judgment of God is according to the truth against those who practice such things. And do you not think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same that you will escape the judgment of God? So he's like, he's like, don't be feeling yourself too much here of all this list of people that I just listed and you don't see yourself in there. Watch out because you're doing the same thing. Like what? I'm doing that? Well, yeah. At, at the heart level, Jesus said, you've heard it said that if you have that if you commit adultery, you're at risk of hellfire. He said, I say, even if you've looked with lust, it's the same thing. So it's easy to point the finger and judge. It's like, well, my sin is not as dark and horrific and obvious as yours. Watch out, because we're doing the same thing. There are some areas in our minds and hearts, where we have oppressed the truth. And it is sin. And we got to be willing to repent, turn away from that stuff, to embrace God's strength and power. But it's because of you have the Spirit on the inside of you, but God's not just going to make the change happen. Just like we give ourselves over to sin and deception, not just like, but... Choice, it's a choice. You have to be willing to lean into the Spirit, which comes with, I've got, I'm going to have to make some kind of change here. And it's not your power that brings about the change, it's the willingness, and then the Spirit of God bears fruit. What verse are we on? Three. Or do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Man, it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. I mean, if you, get, if you leave here today and you don't remember anything because I'm saying so much, remember this. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. Go show people how good God is. If you want to change people's minds, be kind, be loving to them. Show them the goodness of God. Don't back down from presenting God good and only good. I'm not saying bad things don't happen. But he's good and only good. But in accordance with your hardness and your in, in, impotent, well, I might have a word, impenitent, impenitent, because <laughs> I, I read in a different translation, but I put it in this, anyway, whatever. Uh, impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteousness, righteous judgment of God who will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life to those who, by patient continue, continuance in doing good, seek for glory. Now, part of what Paul's doing in Romans is he's, he's building up to the revelation of salvation by grace through faith. So it's almost like he's 
coming at them. He did like what Jesus would do a lot of times. He's using the law to show them, but he's building up to. But here's the good news. Now there is a, there is a righteousness that is available, not through law, but by faith. That, that's where he's leading to, even though he's showing them you know, expo- the, the, so in, in, in evangelism terms, there is a thing called the Roman road to salvation. And that mindset says you got to convince them that they're lost before you can get them saved. In, other words, in, in fact, you got to get them to admit that they're lost before they can get saved. I don't really see that. They just need to embrace the goodness of God. But, th- but that's where it comes from. He's, he's showing them this is who you really are, but let me get to the, he gets to the good news. So then in Romans uh, 3, just a few more passages here. Romans 3, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. Do you know how many Christians don't know this? Yeah. I, and I, and I, I, I hesitate to say most, but it's true. Now, Every Christian would agree with this doctrine, but like in terms of how you think God is relating to you, the righteousness, in other words, your acceptance with God, your qualification for being blessed or healed by God or being led by God is not by the law. It's by faith. Amen? Now, does that mean we should just continue in sin? Well, go read Romans 6 and then come ask that question again. But now, so he's making the case against everybody knows, but God's given you over to this desire. But here's the truth. Here's the good news. You're accepted by God, not by your good performance, and you're not rejected by God by your bad performance. You either have the Spirit or you don't have the Spirit. That's your acceptance. That's your seal. That's your approval. That's your anointing. And that's your power. It's, it's incredibly good news. For now, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being freely justified. Say, say I am justified freely. Some people have a hard time. By His grace. But what is grace? Grace is His power working in you. Grace and mercy are not the same thing. Mercy is, you deserve punishment, but I'm not going to. That's not grace. Grace is, here's some power. Here's the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Grace is this. Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, they prophesied. God was going to give you His Spirit. He's going to put His Spirit on the inside of you. Grace is that Spirit doing a work on the inside of you. Grace is the working of the Spirit through you and in you. We talk about this all the time, but I love the testimony that that was in the announcement. Chose grace and joy arose. The fruit of joy arose. So you're freely justified by grace through the redemption that is in uh, Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation. Propitiation means... um, to satisfy wrath. Um, so the propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time that His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Raise your hand if you have faith in Jesus. And if you don't, we can help you with that the justifier of the one who has faith in. Where then is boasting? Is it excluded? By what law? Of works? No, the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Oh, sorry, I didn't change that. Okay, now, the paradox is, even in that justified state, be careful not to give yourself over to any evil desires that arise up on the inside of you. Now, when it comes to looking at the world and thinking about that list of people that he listed, thinking about our culture, 
thinking about what's going on today, it's very easy to identify the bad guy, isn't it? Like right now, it's very easy to identify you're the problem. But we got to remember, we're the problem. You're the problem. Because <laughs> the problem is your judgment of the people that you think are the problem. Now, is what they're doing a problem? Yes, of course it is. But you're doing the same thing. At a heart level, you're doing the same thing. So just go ahead and realize you were freely justified by grace through faith. Those people, whoever those people are, can be too. They just need to hear the gospel. And, and so even in our own lives, we're not trying to get God to do something. We're trying to put ourselves in a position inwardly to walk in what He's already given us. We're trying to repent our, in our minds. We're trying to believe the truth. We're trying to get doubt out to have faith so that faith will bear fruit, so that faith, the, the, the gospel will be powerful in our lives. Most of what you're doing is not trying to pray to get God to do something. It's getting doubt out of your mind and out of your heart to be convinced of who God is already on the inside of you. And then it just manifests. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and all these things are added. It's a byproduct. Healing is a byproduct. Provision is a byproduct. It's not what you say, God, will you do this? And then he does it. That's not to say that he's not active. He is active. But then in looking at the world, you know, so there's that personal responsibility element of clothing ourselves with the Spirit because you do need to be filled with the Spirit. But being filled with the Spirit is not a one-time event. As we see in Acts, it says of Peter like two or three times, being filled with the Spirit, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And, and he didn't pray in tongues every time it says he was filled with the Spirit. Some people say, well, you've got to get filled with the Spirit and you've got to pray in tongues. You, you do need to do that. But it's not just the one thing that is associated with all that. Boy, I know, it's, I'm muddy in the waters a little bit, but I'm just saying, quit. Just stop it. <laughs> Pray for me for just a minute so I can say this clearly. I think you know what I'm saying. You know, Get out of our religious thinking in terms of a specific meaning and just live in the reality that the Spirit of God is in me. Like, like in an actual real way, you know? God Almighty, the King of the universe. It's like in our marriage ceremony of me placing my faith in Him, put a ring on me, and that is His Spirit. God Himself outside of space and time, this marvelous being of which there is only one, the Creator, God Almighty, the King of justice and the King of peace, the ruler of all creation, the great and mighty comforter, the Prince of peace, the deliverer of our souls, the righteous judge and king. He looked at you and he said, I want you if you want me. And then he put his ring, his seal, his spirit in you. And that power is still there. You can live from that power. Clothe yourself with the spirit, moment by moment. Grace will teach you to say no to sin. It'll teach you to say no to ungodliness. And I'll say this, because I know people end up listening and watching on the internet. And there are some of you that are of a particular sexual persuasion, and I know, I know it's there's just an instant wall, but I I implore you, I encourage you, in the name of truth, be willing to let God speak to you even in this moment. Be willing to lay down what you think is your identity. And let truth himself embrace you for just a moment. Let the Spirit of God who loves you speak to you. He wants to bear witness to you that you are his child. And you can say yes to him. You know, and so so we, we look at those kinds of things. 
and we overlook the simple moments of the practical areas that we need to do that as well. You know, so it might be a question that we ask ourselves, where am I oppressing the truth even in myself? God, search my heart. Show me. I, I want to fully reflect you. I don't want to limit who you are in me. Not just so that I get to be free, but that you are glorified in me. Because that's what it's about. Yes, there's promises that we want to see and experience and inherit and walk in, but so that He would be glorified. Like, like that, this image we've used the past few weeks during worship, I saw the statue of David carved by Michelangelo that is exquisite and perfect. And if that statue woke up and looked at itself and said, man, Michelangelo is amazing. Look at what he did. Are you kidding me? Look at the definition in the trapezoid muscle. Is that what that one's called? No, that's back there. What is this one? You know what I'm saying. You've seen that statue. It's like looks real, but it's stone. You know, that, that, that's, that's us waking up and realize, oh my gosh, look what God has done. Are you kidding me? I'm holy. I'm righteous. Let me give him the glory for that. He wants me to walk healed and whole and provided for lacking nothing, and then even if I suffer persecution, to do it with joy? Are you kidding me? That's the kind of being that I am? Praise Him. And then other people see it, and they're like, I totally disagree with you, but I cannot deny what I'm feeling in this moment. And then they give themselves over to it. Just us letting God love us and shape us and transform us is being a witness whether you open your mouth or not. Amen? Being filled with the Spirit, living under the power of the influence of the Spirit. It's a, it's a must. It is, it is, you can't do life without it. And I will say, praying in the Spirit, praying with your Spirit, otherwise known as the gift of tongues, kind of primes that pump to make the connection of the Spirit on the inside of you coming upon you. I'm not saying that if you don't pray in tongues, you don't have the Spirit, but it helps. It's, it's like being generous. Being generous, giving money, doesn't make God bless you. It does an inner work in you that teaches you how to be generous, and as you are generous, then you become a conduit that God can flow through. It's not a, I've done this, now he's going to do that. It's no, I'm, I'm opening up the end. Praying in tongues does that. It, 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 may, it helps you make that connection. And if you don't do that, I'm not saying there's something wrong with you. There are some people that don't. Some people are actually opposed to it, maybe even sitting in this room, and I'm not trying to make you do one thing or the other. I'm also not making the baptism of the Spirit all about one gift, but I'm telling you, that gift is powerful. Ask God to help you with it. And if you need help with that, if that's something that you don't do and you'd like to step into that, then we have some people up here that will help you walk through that process. I'll tell you this, you already have the Spirit, but you can use that gift if you like. And it will help you be clothed in the Spirit to live under the power and the influence of the Spirit. Those of you that do pray in the Spirit, pray in tongues, you know the power of it. And, and, it, and it's, like, it's like a built-in mechanism to get your mind out of the way and connect directly with the Spirit. And then, and then it's like that wellspring of life coming up out of you. Uh, that's almost how I see what praying in tongues is, is it's like you're voicing that river of the Spirit as it comes upon you. There's a connection in the authority in our tongue and in our mouth as we give voice to that spirit bubbling up to come upon us. It's like, you, it's like you're active, not activating, but actualizing it, man, helping it manifest. I don't care how you say it, you're going to say it wrong because the words aren't right because it's a spiritual phenomenon. But you can use that gift, amen? So let's stand up. Put your attention on him for just a moment. Maybe, maybe somebody can play a little bit. Uh, Cody, or, yeah, thank you, Susan.
Probably should have given them a heads up. But just for, just for a moment, I'm not going to take too much longer, just for a couple minutes, I just want you to intentionally yield to the Spirit of God on the inside of you, see yourself being clothed with the Spirit for power, for fruit, for wisdom, for knowledge. So just acknowledge Him. Father, I thank You. Just pray to Him for just a moment. Just speak to Him how You'd speak to Him in just a moment, or for just a moment. Thank You, Holy Spirit, that You're in me. Your Spirit is bearing witness with my spirit that I'm Your child. And I trust, just tell Him you trust Him. I trust You. I trust that how You would lead me would be for Your glory. And I trust that it'll be in truth. And if it's a desire that I'm unfamiliar with or I'm unfamiliar with how to get there, I'm willing to repent. I'm willing to change my mind of how I think about it to let your spirit strengthen me. I don't have to have some goosebump Holy Spirit experience. I just, I just acknowledge the truth of your power in me. Spirit is real. Just tell him I trust you. I yield to you completely to come upon me and strengthen me day by day in every moment. Father, I thank you that your spirit in me is the power I need to overcome sin, the power that I need to overcome fear. And it's the source that I need to be clear and not confused, to be full of faith and not doubt. It doesn't start in my head. It's not knowledge that brings about the change. Knowledge helps but it's the power of your spirit on the inside of me. I don't need anything from anybody because I have your spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We trust you. We love you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We magnify. Just, just speak to him as if he's in the room. Let's worship him together. Jesus is in this place. Father, we thank you. You said you would never leave us and never forsake us. Jesus, we thank you that we can worship you in the midst of the congregation. You are present with us. You're our Lord. You're our God, our King, our elder brother, and even our husband, Lord God. Thank you. Thank you that we're joined to you. And thank you that you're teaching us of how to be witnesses in, in our society today in love and kindness, but also in power, not backing down on the truth but being intentional. Father, we need help. We, just, we need help navigating what's going on in our society and our culture because we want people to know how good you are. That's the goal. The goal is that they would know how good you are and give themselves to you, that, they would, that you'd be glorified in them also. I trust you, Lord. I praise your name. I praise your name. Jesus, be glorified. You know, so, so whether you feel something or not, man, we can take those moments in daily life to allow Him to strengthen us and it'll, it'll change our life and maybe somebody else's too. Amen? Anybody got that burning, passionate word on your heart? Sometimes you give space for the Spirit He wants to speak. Don't tell me later, that was me, but I didn't want to say anything. you. <laughs> Y'all okay? Y'all want to just let the Spirit speak for just a moment? Look at there. The Holy Spirit of God speaks through women. Thank you, Lauren. <laughs> Sarah. Um, I was on the way to church this morning and um, I don't know, some, some of y'all got some maybe some heavy burdens or Maybe some someone out there even listening up watching online or um, got some you know maybe some guilt and condemnation that's weighing you down. Maybe you're repeating something in your mind that in the past you maybe a mistake that you've, you've done in the past it's going in your mind. And this morning I felt it um, something replayed in my mind. And just like that, I felt um, the, the voice inside of me said, child, you need to let that go. 
quit blaming yourself for all of this, what's going on in your life right now. And let it go. I've already redeemed you from it. And, you know, I feel like I'm not the only one maybe dealing with this. Um, Because sometimes things come up in your mind and he tries to get you again. But he's coming at you and he's saying, my child, I love you so much. Quit blaming yourself. Quit criticizing yourself for the mistakes that you've made in your past. Quit letting them haunt you. Because I came to redeem that. I came and I took that guilt and that shame and that condemnation. It is not your inheritance. It is not for you to carry. Let it go and release it and watch me work. Just let go and let him work. Because he's always there. He's always working. But sometimes we hold on to those things. Just let it go. And you will see miracles and breakthroughs in your life. And if that's for you, if that's for you, just see yourself. Let it go. Just let it float right away from you. Send it away. So that all that's left is the Spirit of God. Amen.